This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It's Wednesday, August 19, 2020. Of course, summer is moving by pretty fast. You know, you know how many trading days we have left in the month of August, and we're going to be in September. Not very many. I think it's eight, eight. Labor Day is around the corner. It's the first holiday in September. Uh, first Monday in September. That's the seventh this year. There are also many other things that are different this year, right? Mostly thanks to COVID nineteen. I just, I hate. I hate it, just let you know. I just really hate it in many different ways. And I think it's fair to say that due to the COVID crisis, the economic shutdown and the resulting market volatility has put us all in a tailspin. You know, the normal things that us quote-unquote experts look at don't seem to be too normal. This COVID thing and, and purposely shutting down the economy, it's a new ballgame. When's the last time you ever heard that happen? When is the last time it ever happened? Never. Never. So how do we know turning back on the economy is going to work like a normal recovery from a recession? We don't. So it's an artificial recession we put in, and now we have a recovery going on. We don't know how it's going to act because we don't know whether we've never had this experience before. And COVID-19 may, may come back. Well, I know all the numbers are getting better and better and coming down. But we don't know. And that's what we're dealing with. Volatility is here to stay, everybody, for some time. When there's a lot of unknowns out there, you know, you just can't be too predictable about things. So you have to deal with what is. And that's what we'll try to do on this program. I'm Steve Peasley. And on this program and the podcast, I'll do my best to give you unbiased answers to any of your financial or investment questions. And, of course, you have... Questions about maybe strategies and, of course, this current volatility that we're dealing with. Uh, volatility can be up. Volatility is not bad. Everybody thinks of volatility as, oh, it's bad, volatility. No, it's neither bad nor good. You just have to recognize that it exists and how to deal with it. What? How do you handle the volatility? Some people can't handle it. They freak out. But I'm sure you are listening to me won't. Right? That's why you're listening to me, to help you with some, to calm you down, tell you what, you know, whether a company is undervalued, overvalued, or whether the market is, those kinds of things, I can tell you. What the market will do tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, I can't tell you. Can't. But I can recognize what is. I can tell you the history. We can sometimes predict the future by looking back at history, but many times you can't. So... I'm here to give you unbiased guides. That's it. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I will recommend investment strategies that I think are smart. I do that, and we do that for ourselves too. With a with a you know with the practice of parallel investing, I buy the same things for my clients I do for myself in all the various programs. I have all my money in the market. So I sold all my real estate in 2004. So that's a long time ago. So so all my money is in the market. Okay, so I'm ready for your questions at 888-99-CHART. You can get online right now and ask your questions. 
And, of course, you've noticed that Justin and I are not going anywhere. I used to go quite often to different places to meet with people, and obviously the COVID-19 thing is not helping that out at all. It's changing the way we are doing business, isn't it? It's changed the way I've done business. So, anyways, I am still doing those no-cost, no-obligation portfolio assessments via telephone, Skype, and I know Justin's using Jive meetings. I'm using Skype. I don't think it really matters. We'll still do that. So if you have an interest, you just call me or Justin or send us an email. Go to investtalk.com. Uh, send me an email. Send me your portfolios. So I'd be happy to take a look. You know, technology is pretty great when it works, right? And it's getting better and better and better all the time. So this doing everything via Skype or telephone, emails and attachments to email, it's getting easier and faster. And, for, and everybody's getting used to working from home. Even though we are in the office, um, we do work home some days a week, some of the days a week. I generally go in the office most of the time because, you know, I'm from the old school. I'm used to office work. So give me a call. Let us know if you want a meeting. Uh, send me an email. We'll get it done. Okay? 888-99-CHARGE is our number. My focus point today concerns this question. Will history repeat itself? Specifically, will the stock market Close at a record high by the end of August. Remember, we only got eight days left. Well, one analyst has made the point that the S&P 500, on average, has hit new highs eight days after closing with within one percent of its record. So, within one eight days of a record high, it will go higher. We'll take a look at other things I want to talk about. Bullishness is that an extreme? Is it at an extreme? I got some things to look at to what will tell us if it is or isn't. And nothing, of course, is perfect, everybody. Nothing. Also, Google Web Searches, Google Web Search, when you go into Google, tracks unemployment claims. It's interesting. Something new. Something fairly new, anyways. And gold correction is here. What do I mean by that? What should we do? And if we get into it, if I get enough time, I want to talk about inheriting money or stocks or property or IRAs. I want to talk about inheritance of those kinds of things. That's what I'm going to talk about if you don't call and drive the show. The market was down. Dow was down 85. The S&P, I mean, the NASDAQ down 64 and the S&P down 15. So it's trying to, you know, the S&P 500, the Dow trying to break that high and maintain the Momentum, but it's it's having a difficult time. NASDAQ broke it some time ago. It's up. New 52-week highs. You know, it broke the old high and made in the pre-COVID, right before pre-COVID. It's done that for a while. So, now, as regular listeners know, Justin and I make it a practice to get into as many caller questions in as we can each day. So, let's go to the voice bank now. The question came in earlier on our Anytime Listener Line number, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Justin. Love the show. This is Chris from Buffalo, New York. I had a question about ticker LHX. It is L3 Harris. I'm currently in it at about 161. I think still right now it's about 169 and it's still a great price to get in at. I just wanted to get your opinion on the company and look forward to hearing uh, your answer. Thank you. Okay, let's look at, look at L3 Harris Technologies is the name of the company. Uh, let's see, what's, what is that? 
Okay, well, that's the name of the company. Okay. Having a little technical difficulty here, real quick. Uh, manufactures aerospace, defense technology, and communication products for government and businesses. It's a $39 billion company, L3 Harris Technologies. Okay, it's made money, made money forever. Uh, going back as far as I have data, um, next year, or this year, it's going to make $11.42 a share, up 18% from last year. Next year, $12.91, another 13%. Sales growth, the most recent quarter, the one just reported, 138%. Wow. Before that, 168%. Before that, 190 Before that, 187 And before that, it was 12%. So between June quarter of 2019 and September quarter of 2019, it jumped from 12% growth to 187% growth. So something happened there that would be nice to know what sparked that growth. I would want to know that before I buy this stock. Uh, other things. Um, let's see. Uh, it's a P, current P, P rate 16. That five-year average is 14 to 27. Remember, next year it's going to make uh, $12.91. It's an $181 stock. So that means it's pretty reasonably priced still. Cash flow is huge at $5.69. It pays a fairly small dividend at 1.9%. Uh, it doesn't have a ton of debt. has some, but not a ton. What's interesting is mutual funds have been not buying. I mean, a year ago, there was 1,762 mutual funds or, or uh, it, uh, different kinds of funds. It, it, that, the funds could include retirement account, uh, you know, pension plans and those kinds of things. But now it's only 1,679, so 100 less. Not a lot. But anyways, should you buy the stock? I think it's at a good price. I do. And it looks like a pretty strong, healthy company. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. Summer is moving fast, and we're all trying our best to manage our fear and greed, because that makes us better investors. We understand the necessity of managing risk for by balancing our asset portfolios. That task requires information and effective strategies. Now, you can deal with volatility, know how to do it properly. We should talk about it. Your participation is important. Your, your mix in the program is very important. So... We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Wednesday. Steve Peasley is on duty, and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Joe from Santa Maria, California, calling want to say thanks for the show and also my question today is how do I evaluate a stock I hear you guys talking about the price to earnings ratio and I'm curious how I could look at a stock's numbers and evaluate how if it's a good purchase or not be looking for your information on the podcast thank you okay this is a, this is this is a tough question because it, it, it takes Months or years to learn how to evaluate stocks. Now, there's different quick ways to do it, and I'm sure that's what you're after, quick, dirty ways to do it. But you have to think in terms of sectors and stocks in the sectors because different valuations apply to different stocks. You also have to separate gross stocks from 
stable non-growth stocks, fast growth stocks with medium growth stocks. And each one of those deserves a different kind of PE, PE, price earnings range, price to sales range, return on equities, how much debt there should be. All those things play, and those are just a scratch the surface, play a, a part in valuating the stock. For instance, uh, LHX, a stock that the person just asked about, I said I think it's pretty cheap. One of the dirty, quick and dirty ways to value a stock is look at the five-year P.E. range of the company. This one is 14 to 27. And right now, based on next year's earnings, it's going to be about 15. Therefore, the stock is fairly inexpensive based on its past range. Now, you factor in the growth rate of over 100% for the last four quarters, then you can say, well, that's pretty darn cheap based on its growth. Because if it was normal 5 to 10% growth, it would be a good value. At 100% growth, it's a pretty great value. Now, can they keep that growth up? See, there's so many ways of how to evaluate. The quick and dirty way is one I just explained. There's others, but they are full of holes, too. Exceptions, can't use it here, can't use it there. You know, so it's not an easy question to ask. I mean, the answer. It's easy to ask, but not the answer. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Really didn't help him much, did I? I'm sorry about that. Anyways, okay. Why the stock market will close higher by the end of August. It's eight more days. So this is an article I'm reading about. You can see it on our website if you're interested. The rule is the S&P 500 on average has made new highs eight days after closing within 1% of a record. So that's what we're talking about. In the February, it was at a new high. So in eight days later, it's supposed to close higher. So we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see if that happens. We'll see. I'll talk about that a little bit more after the break. I'm Steve Peasley. In these uncertain times, it is natural for investors to be unsure of just how much of their portfolio valuation to put at risk. How much of your portfolio should be a risky part? Should be different parts depending on you. How much risk tolerance do you have? You can you can find out. You can gauge your own personal risk. My advice is take our free risk questionnaire at investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. Justin and I can use results to help you with your strategies. 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. 888 992 4278. Let's go to Jay in Illinois. Jay. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. So I had a question about uh, Cisco, uh-huh. um, and I had a really quick general question as well, if you don't mind. Um, so Cisco, I was looking to take up a long-term position on, just because I don't have much exposure into any communications or technology okay. equities right now. And my general question was, um, in terms of a balance sheet, at what point do negative retained earnings become concerning to you, if other valuation metrics look good? Well, 
any negative return earnings company that has a negative return should be a concern to you as well. It should be no matter how much. Okay, long as you can figure out why and it's temporary, you don't have to worry about it too much. On Cisco Systems, I don't think it's much of a problem. I don't. Uh, they're too big. 176 billion. They're going to make three dollars nine cents down from 321. So that probably hurts them. Their their R and D is 12.7 percent. So if they wanted to increase their retained earnings, all they do is cut their R and D down by 10 percent. But they probably don't want to do that because that's the future of the company: research and development. R and D, everybody means research and development. Most big companies, most small companies, have a cost for that because they want to keep ahead of technology, they want to keep inventing, reinventing them, themselves. You see someone not spending any money, any big company not spending any money on R&D, you know there's a big problem. Anyways, uh, the valuations are pretty decent on Cisco now that it's fallen from 48 down to 41, and there seems to be a lot of support right around 40, 41. So it's at 41.87 today. Um, I don't think you should worry about retirement earnings. I, I think it's a good value. I don't like the fact that sales have been shrinking in the last three quarters. And I would want to know why is that happening? Even though they're still making money and money, you know profits are pretty decent, the sales is a concern. that They've kind of tailed off from a year ago. They were growing 4 and 5%. Now they're shrinking 9 8 4% in the last three quarters. Thanks for the call, Jay. Appreciate that. Let's go to Paul in Hawaii. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for this awesome, uh, I have to listen to the app, uh, but awesome program. So I'm Thank calling you. in reference to GRWG Grow Generation. About 80% of my portfolio is long-term investments that I've picked up from you guys um, you know, over the months I've been listening, and I swing trade roughly 20% uh, options, and I currently have this going this week on the weekly option, so I'm going to be getting rid of it, but I'm wondering if I want to add this to my long-term side of my portfolio, because I don't have anything really uh, in this area. Okay. Uh, This is uh, GRWG Grow Generation Corp. Engaged in distribution of organic nutrients, soils, hydroponic equipment, to commercial and home growers. I kind of like that space, Paul, because that's a very strong growing space. And everybody wants, you know, a healthier and organic, you know, uh, food these days. And so any company that makes that kind of equipment that and nutrients that help that along, uh, I think that's a good space. Now, let's look at the earnings. They lost money for years. And... Just recently, last three years, uh, 2019, they made a nickel. This year, they're going to make 13 cents, and next year, they're going to make 31 cents. Sales growth has been over 100, almost sometimes 200% a quarter for the last two years, over 100%. So now that they make money, and you, you can do some evaluation on it, well, obviously, they made a nickel last year in a $22 stock, but they're growing 160% 160% to earnings to 13 cents this year. So you got to give it a pretty darn high P. Next year it's going to be 31 cents, another 138% increase. So I'm thinking, 
I'm thinking this could be a good good uh, uh, stock to hold in your more speculative part of your portfolio. But man, it has skyrocketed one, two, three, four, five. In five days, it went from $9 to $22. That's really, you got to wait for a pullback in this. You can't just jump in, Paul, because you'd be chasing that return. Wait for a pullback, but it's a pretty strong company. This management owns 14%. I like that too. So it has some things going for it. I like the sector. It's a fairly new company. It only came out in, two, in December of 2019. So, but it's past the six-month mark that I tell people don't buy IPOs within six months. Anyway, Paul, I, I like it, but wait for a strong pullback. Recently, both Apple and Tesla have made news with stock splits. How about Microsoft? As we go to break, here's today's two-part trivia question. How many stock splits has Microsoft had since it first went public? And that was March of 1986, by the way. And what was Microsoft's IPO price on the trade on day trading day number one? What was the IPO price? I will have the answer after this break, but for now, my phone lines are open and I encourage you to invest invest I encourage you to have, ask questions. Ask your investment questions, anything financial. 888-99-CHART. Here's another benefit when you sign up for our Invest Talk Insider program, a brief list of real estate investment trusts, REITs, that should be on investors' radar if they're looking for exposure to this dividend-focused sector. You can sign up for this free Invest Talk Insider program on investtalk.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like, the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, 
AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, before the break, I had a trivia question. How many stock splits has Microsoft had since it first went public in March of, ni- March of 1986? And what was Microsoft's IPO price on the trading day number one? Well, here's the answer. Microsoft, of course, is an amazing American technology company. We know that. Its IPO went uh, was March 13 on, in 86, and it was priced then at $21 per share. Remember, that's pre-split. That's what it was. Then it went up and split, went up. Split. So if you factor in all the IPOs, after this, all the splits, it was much less than 21 But its first split, okay, it has had nine splits, nine altogether. The first came in September 18, 1987. That was, remember, it became public March 13, 86. It was a two-for-one split, meaning for every one stock, you got an additional stock. Two when you had one, four. It split in 1990, 91, 92, 94, 96, 98, and 99, and finally in 2003. Microsoft. So, so Microsoft, I will tell you this that splits were much more common in the 90s than they have been since then. Microsoft is selling for what, $209? I can see it splitting because that seems to be. Gaining momentum right now. Okay, the bonus question. How many stocks, how many Microsoft stocks do you think are outstanding right now? Okay, outstanding. Number of shares, outstanding. 7,567,652,935 shares are currently outstanding. That's out there. You own any? Jay, Kansas City, wants to talk about Amazon. Hi, Jay. Thank you for taking a call. A long-time listener and love the, the, the podcast. Thank you. Uh, two questions for you. One, uh, as it relates to Amazon, uh, is now a good time to get in and forget about it, or shall I wait for a small pullback if there is such a thing with that? And <sighs> yeah. Secondly, it just seems to never pull back. Uh, and then secondly is stock ticker SEDG, uh, Solar Edge. It's been taken off like a rocket ship for me. It's a solar stock. Kind of your take on those guys and, and that one in particular. And maybe it's time to cash out. Love your show, and I'll listen uh, on the uh, off the air, sir. 
Okay, Amazon. Everybody knows who Amazon is. They are three hundred three thousand two hundred sixty dollars stock right now. Three thousand two hundred sixty dollars a share, and it has. It's done very very well. I mean, at the high of pre-COVID was like twenty two hundred. Now it's thirty two hundred. So I tell you, the low, the low was seventeen something somewhere in there during the COVID thing. So it didn't pull down too much. I would wait for a pullback because we're we're due for one, um, and we're due for one in technology as well as the rest of the market. I don't know if I would chase it here. I think it was up big yesterday. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, the pullbacks that we have seen have been pretty shallow. Without a new recession, it's going to be shallow. So if it gets down to about three thousand. 3100 is at 3260. I would probably just go ahead and close my eyes and buy it. And the other stock, uh, sorry, but I forgot the symbol. You're going to have to call me back with that. I only can usually do one stock per call, anyways. But call me back. F is in Frank. Okay. Okay, that's S E D G. Solar Ridge Technologies, oh, man. This thing is taking off like a rocket ship. Israel-based maker of DC-optimized inverter systems, solar panel harvesting and oh, monitoring solutions, that kind of thing. Um, let's see. Going to make $4.39, and it's a $220 stock. And it's done nothing but go up. Uh, I would at least take some of my profits. I'd at least cut it in half. I don't know if I get out completely. Uh, simply because it's growing really well. I do note that the growth in the last quarter was much weaker than the quarters before that. I'd find out why. Because it's been growing 30, 40, 50% per quarter. Last quarter, only 2%. That would make me a little bit nervous. So I want to finish my comments on today's focus point. Now, that concerns, will history repeat itself? Specifically, will the market go higher after it's made a new high? After you know, so market goes high and makes a new 52 week high, then it falls. Does it usually go higher after that? Yes, it does. Within eight days, usually it will have a higher closing. So that's all this one is all this focus focus point is talking about. And you can read the article on investtalk.com, but it's just it's, it's a technical. Usually when stocks are in an uptrend, they stay in an uptrend until something happens. And I don't mean just something little. Something big either happens to the company or happens to the market. Something significant. And so trends stay in place until there's a reason for them to reverse and in a significant way. For instance, the big reverse was COVID-18. We were in an upward trend up until that happened. And then since it bottomed and, uh, and the, since the COVID bottom came in for the market, uh, it has now been returned, continued that upward trend. So what's going to happen next? Okay. What if they don't agree on a new spending package? They seem to be fighting. That seems to be the most obvious thing I can think of that's pretty big that may, that could cause the market to at least pull back. Anyways. Let's go to Raphael, Washington, D.C. How are you doing, Raphael? Not too bad, Steve. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I have a question about uh, Reynolds Consumers, uh, symbol R-E-Y-N. 
Okay. Yeah, I took I a uh, position, a small position back in uh, February when it first IPO'd. Uh, and uh, I'm looking to try to increase my uh, position that I have because I want, I want to hold it for long term. And I'm just wondering what would be a, a good price to, to get back in. So why do you want to hold it for long term? You, what, what is in your mind that you, the reason you think it's going to continue to grow in the future? Do you feel like the dividend's sufficient just to hold it through any weaknesses? I'm just curious to what your well, thinking is. Well, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's consumer, you know, staple. So I was, I was right. thinking at least maybe two to four uh, years, and I noticed they dividend. I, uh, I I was reading that it it, it was you know uh-huh. possible that it, it it might not in increase in the next like year or two as far as the the growth rate. Um, and I even noticed the next uh, uh, quarter's earning is projected to be a little bit lower than the recent one. Uh, but it has increased in the past three quarters. So uh, long-term, it was maybe two or four years, but I, I, I guess I really haven't really thought too much more about that. Okay. Reynolds, everybody. Yeah. Reynolds Consumer Products. I appreciate that answer, by the way, Raphael. I was just curious. Uh, manufacturer distributes cooking products, waste and storage products, and tableware products, and an industry that's not known for high growth. So, And it's a $7 billion company. So... But that what is interesting is earnings have been pretty steady the last four or five years, steadily growing, going up. Uh, that growth is, seems to be slowing a little bit, but there's still growth in sales and earnings, uh, and it pays a 2.6% dividend. Um, during equity, I don't have the number on that. I'm not sure why. Uh, the P, It's going to make $1.98 next year. It's a $33 stock. Okay, so... That tells you it's what, 17 PE or so? And that's the low of its range, 17. The high is 25. So uh, it has a decent valuation, but this should not be valued at that high of a PE. Remember earlier on the show, I said PEs depend on the industry. Well, this is a consumer, as you say, a staple, consumer staple company, and it doesn't have high growth. It's very low growth. So the PE should never be over about 15, in my opinion. And this one's, you know, going to be a 17. So I think it's going to have a hard time going higher because of that. But if you buy it for the dividend, which is 2.6%, I think it can maintain the dividend. And you're going to have to wait a long time to get growth. I just don't see it going much higher than $35 or so. So appreciate the call. Thanks. Really do appreciate the calls, everybody. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and yes, the economy started reopening again. Okay, and then some places they closed down, as you know, but it looks like we're getting to reopen again. So that's what we're dealing with. This uncertainty about reopening has caused the market volatility, but it's been mostly up. Okay, we understand that, but you can't allow your retirement objectives to be controlled by a pandemic or volatility or anything else, you still have those same goals. You need to maintain and aim for those goals. Don't get discouraged if you you seem like you're falling behind, because that does happen. Then you feel like you're running ahead. That happens too. So you just don't need to be discouraged. So I encourage you to reach out to me or Justin, Justin Klein at KPB Financial. We'll talk about it. We'll help you with that. We'll determine what your goals are and see if we can help you get there. We will help you. 
whether you're a conservative investor, doesn't matter. You know, getting close to retirement doesn't matter. Or you're young and you want high growth, doesn't matter. You want to be aggressive, we'll help you. We can customize an investing strategy for almost anybody. We have five, six different programs going from very aggressive to very conservative. It depends on what you want, what fits you. Okay? So if you want to talk, send an email to investtalk.com and ask for some help. We'll be happy to answer. We answer all our emails. I'm now here and ready to provide unbiased answers to your financial and investment questions. We are taking your calls live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Daniel calling from San Diego. Love your show. Today I was trying to place an order on Fidelity on a stock that says that it can only be a limit order. So my first question will be, what's a limit order and how those work? Also, my second question, when I try to put the limit order, the Fidelity app says that, I cannot, that it cannot be completed because of a gray market and the risk associated with those. So how does that work? And how can I place the order on that stock? Because it's really juicy for me. Thank you. Love the show. Yeah, I wish you would have mentioned the stock so I could look it up. <clears throat> okay, there's different kinds of orders you can put in to buy or sell a stock. Market order is the one that says buy the stock or sell the stock at whatever the price of the market is right now. Just sell it or buy it at that price. That's called a market order. A limit order is a specific price. I want to buy that stock at $39.22. That's a limit order. When the price gets to, let's say it's below that. When it gets to that price, you'll buy it. Let's say the price is above that. When it comes down to that price, you buy it. In other words, it's specific to that price. That's what a limit order is. Okay? And there's other kinds of orders, which he didn't ask about, and I don't know if I want to get to because they, get, they can get complex. Now, when, they, when they're saying that he can't buy this stock because it's in the gray market, they're probably referring that it's not listed on the exchange. It's probably a penny stock. Um, that's, I'm assuming that because I don't know that because he didn't mention the stock and I can't look it up. But that's the assumption that I have. So it's on what we call the pink sheets. And, you know, the, the pink sheets go by different names. Penny stocks, pink sheets, uh, uh, off off-market orders, off-exchange orders, different things. And maybe Fidelity's got their own technology terminology for that called gray market. Okay, so that's what they're talking about. What you got to do is pick up the phone, call them, and tell them what you want to do and see if it's possible. That's what I would do. Okay, quickly, bullishness is at an extreme, or is it? Okay, we've had a five-month rally from the low, right? 
There are indicators. There are people who watch this stuff constantly. Halbert Stock Newsletter Sentiment Index is one of the things that tracks market timers and their sentiment. Are they bullish or are they bearish? How bullish? How bearish? And he's been tracking this for years, if not decades. Okay, so the range is from negative 40 to positive 90. That's the range for this market sentiment sentiment timing. Every time it's got up to about 65.70, I'm taking that back. Every time it's got up to 80, it's at an extreme. It's at 65.70 right now. Remember, from minus 40 to 90. And right now it's at 65 to 70. So is that an extreme? How extreme is that? That's the question. I think it's pretty extreme, but no one can pick the top. It's just impossible. On the next Invest Talk, this story. What's going on with airlines as Southwest turns down secured loan? Well, we all know that the airlines have taken a significant hit during the coronavirus pandemic. But how can Southwest afford to bypass a government-secured loan. Why would they do that? We'll talk about that. That's tomorrow. Joshua will be here. For now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Chris in New Jersey. How are you doing, Chris? Hi, Steve. Uh, thanks so much for taking my call. Uh, love your show. Uh, I have a question uh, about BEPC, Brookfield Renewable Corporation. Uh, the profile seems like it's a blank check company. So my question is, is it a good idea to invest in this company? I'm going to say no, um, not because it's a bad company or the deal is bad. This is Brookfield Renewable owns and operates hydraulic power, wind, solar and storage and auxiliary assets. The reason why I'm saying no is it's a brand new IPO. Only came out last month. And I don't buy any IPOs and I don't suggest anybody by an IPO younger than six months old. The reason being is, you know, the insiders get to sell after six months. And so usually most IPO prices, most companies' prices go below their IPO price at that six-month or before the six-month mark. So, And there's not a lot of information. There's hardly any information about this. That I see. So I don't like that I can't do a lot of research on what this is. I know what they say they do, but you know I haven't. It's too too new. They are going to make money uh, this year. They said they're going. You know they they said they made eighty one cents in two thousand nineteen. They're scheduled to make money, but no one really wants to put their figures down and what that might be. So I, I wouldn't do it. It's just too risky. Why why take the risk? There's no reason to do that. Thanks, Chris. It is uh, BEPC, Brookfield Renewable. So you got to be careful when uh, the, they do things, they say what they do is very exciting because it owns and operates hydraulic power and wind and solar storage. That's all hot, right? Everybody likes that area. Well, they do that on purpose to attract buyers. 
but you don't know exactly what they're doing. That's what they say they're going to do, but you just don't know yet. 888-99 chart, Google web searches tracks unemployment claims. So the, I, the question is, you ask how to file an unemployment claim in one, some shape or another on Google search, and when that goes down, so do unemployment claims go down. So when people search it less, and it's tracking pretty darn close. So it's really interesting. You can watch that and understand what the unemployment claims are going to be this week. And the Google search tells you the unemployment claims are going to go down this week. Because there's much less searching on it than it was a week ago, a month ago. The trend is down, and it continues to be down. Gold correction, is it here? Have you looked at gold prices, everybody? They have weakened. You know, everybody is talking about buying gold. But way too many, too many people are getting into that that trade because, of course, we talk about it. And I mentioned a you know a week or so ago. Don't you know? Maybe it's time to wait for a pullback. And I think we're not done with our gold pullback. This, the gold was down like three point three percent or so today. I think we're in the mix of a pullback, and we need to see that work itself out. Maybe. Now, if you already own it, I don't know if I would sell it. I don't know if I would. I don't think I well, We're not. We own a number of gold positions in our portfolios. Uh, but I do think we could easily go down, you know, uh, uh, it could easily go down. Remember, it's topped around 2,000. I think it can go down to 1,700 easy. I think it can. don't know if it will. But right now it's about eighteen hundred something dollars per ounce, so I think it can go down to seventeen. And so I wouldn't be in a big rush to add to you. I would not. Okay, and finally, I want to talk about inheriting stocks, inheriting IRAs, inheriting property. When you inherit something, okay, you the day you inherited. That is your cost basis. So, you're, for instance, let's say your, your grandfather died and he, 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 uh, he, uh, you inherited his 100 shares of Microsoft. Well, it's the day you bought, the day you inherited it from him, the day he passed away. That's the cost basis for you. Not what your grandfather bought. He might have bought it 20 years ago. Doesn't matter. The cost basis for you because it's all about if you wanted to sell it, how much capital gains tax would you have to pay? And it would be very little because if you sold it, the, you know, soon after you inherit it. Anyways, just, and that's, just, that's true for all assets, houses, property, anything. Okay, I'm Steve Peasley. Thank you for listening today to Invest Talk. I will return Friday. Justin will be here tomorrow. When I return, we'll talk about the premium newsletter, some of the sections out there, what I wrote. Okay. And remember, tell your friends and family about our podcast. We like to spread the word. We like to get a lot more downloads. It helps us a lot. Try boosting, uh, try browsing, try browsing by topic titles. And you can get free downloads at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, investtalk.com. Independent thinking, share success, everybody. This is Invest Talk. Have a great night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. 
Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.